Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why did um uh music soul child just jump into my head? Girl, I know this might seem strange. <laughs> okay, let me not get a copyright strike. Shania, I just want to thank you for being here today of all days because life has been kicking my ass this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no, let me not be dramatic because I feel like I'm good at speaking theatrically even when I'm fine. Life has been um, stressful this week. And you know what I feel like? You know that meme of the dog and the house is on, like the room's on fire? And he's just over his cup of coffee, like, it's fine. It's, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. So this has been one of those weeks. I don't know if you saw my Instagram post, but my mom's in the hospital. Um, and it's been frustrating for me because I spent a lot of money spending a week and some change on the East Coast. And the day I come back, she's in the hospital. Oh, no. So I'm just like, really? Are you fucking kidding me? So I think that, and, and I had some, like, how do I say, triggered moments because, you know, when my aunt was ill, nobody told me. And I never got a chance to go to the hospital to see her before she died. So my mom being in the hospital and me not being able to see her kind of immediately pulled me into that trauma response of, oh, no, what if I never get to see her? And then I had to be like, babe, you're a manifester do not think like that. So this has been a week of self-soothing and you're probably the only person outside of my family and my mom's doctor that I've talked to in the past like 48 hours because I've kind of just like went inside into a bubble. What do you do when you're really stressed? Do you go inside or do you want to talk to everybody? Mm, I'm an insider. Let's do it. We're gonna, I'm I'm going to do that first because- energy. Yeah, I, I'm just going to let let let's sit down. I'm sitting down with the problems. We're putting them in categories, like, yep. and then I go to people and say, "This is what I need." And then there are some people where, thank goodness for them, where I don't know what I need, and they're just like, "Well, here's like a basic list of things that you usually do. Like, here's some help." Yeah. So people know when to help when I don't know what I need, but I am usually like, "A, I'm coming to you with a, this is the the thing that I need help with." I think I kind of sit quietly and like wait to see what happens. Like I let the waves of whatever's about to happen crash against me. And Mm -hmm. I kind of just like get get myself ready for the storm. Um, But this time I did something atypical where I posted about it on social media. Like I share my introspective feelings on a time lapse usually. So I will be very introspective, but it'll be like a month, a week, a year later. 
me posting that my mother was in the hospital as she was in the hospital felt very vulnerable for me. But it was one of those things of like, this is going to inform everything I do moving forward. And I kind of need y'all to know so that y'all can show me grace. Because if anybody comes in with bass in their voice, <laughs> I'm going to shut down. Yeah. Right. I am not coming with 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I, I didn't need to do an introduction because I love oh. you so much. I didn't even think to do it. For those of you guys, and you guys, I always do this, who are hearing this calm voice as I'm having an impromptu uh, venting session. This is Dr. Shania Thomas. She is probably the most popular mental health advocate that's ever been on the show. Look at your face. Oh, your show, your episode, the stars were aligned. It it did numbers. It did numbers. And that conversation was so good too. And also the optics too. They were like, who's this cool looking person? <laughs> we got a doctor. It's been a while since we've like been in each other's presence. So I that know. Was- now I'm going to proposition you. I kind of was wondering because I'm, I'm playing around with doing these remote tapings. I was kind of wondering if we could do like a monthly or quarterly mental detox where we just talk about life lifing. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like, like, like a, a little check in, like what's going on? Yeah. And and the funny thing is when, when I booked you to do this, my intention was to have you come on to talk about the last episode, which was my cousin who was in town from Boston and she had to my dismay and shock, but also it felt like the right timing. She revealed to me on camera for the first time that her parents had beat her up when she came out the closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her parents being my family members. And I felt such rage in the moment, but I was like, I'm on camera. I'm not trying to catch a case. Also, this was several years ago and family, you know how family is. You got to forgive them or you'd be Thanks North. Well, right, right. Yeah, so... I was like, okay, I want to have like a follow-up conversation to that about what it might have brought up for the audience. Because I didn't, I, I didn't want to open that wound and then kind of leave people sitting there. And yeah. then all this, all this stuff happened. So I'm just like, okay, life is life is determined to have me have a moment. But before I get more into that, what have you been up to? Because I feel like you do all the cool things. And much like me, you like, oh, by the way, I did a cool thing last year. Check it out if you want to. Because I'm really... <laughs> You want to <laughs> um what are some cool things um I'm in an interesting place in my life I feel like I am finally in a place that I didn't think I was going to ever get to Ooh, um, elaborate yeah I I am you know I'm 40 like I, I I have been very adamant about talking about my age because one thing that I'm realizing is that nobody really tells you like what you're supposed to be like we have guesses right where it's just like or mm-hmm. or we're even the freak nick documentary is about to come out everybody's, everybody's auntie and like, worried those about- are like 18 19 20 year olds right but when i was younger i was just like oh my god they're so adult so now that i look like a child and i'm 40 and i'm like you know i have like an academic position like my face is pretty adamant in certain places to where people are just like how old are you and so I'm just adamant about like I am 40 like I am 40 and it took me 20 years in the position that I am in order to get to where I am so when I talk to students people like that I say like hey like I know you like hey I'm 40 right now right I know you want it right now and if you want longevity if you want legacy if you want to instill your work particularly in academia particularly in community work it's got to be a slow burn um and that's just something that I'm learning right now that like life right now is a slow burn um 
Yeah, I am at University of Maryland um, School of Public Health. So I am their new LGBTQ training specialist. So I am doing my dream job of creating a mental health um, program that's going to help folks, mental health professionals and behavioral health professionals work with LGBTQ folks. So that's starting in May. I'm very excited about that. Your birthday, um, right? Say again. Aren't you a birth um, a May Taurus? I yes, my birthday's coming up. I just remember I was just like, oh, it's April. So yes, I my birthday's coming up. So I'm excited. Like I I just feel like things are 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 aligning for me right now. I was just recently on a podcast um called Positive Voices as their mental health professional on there. That's through like the DC public department of health and the Montgomery County Public Health. Um, so that's like really exciting. Like I just feel like yeah. I, my my face is everywhere, which is a little like I don't like that. Um, but I feel like I am I, I, say again. I'm hearing you talk and oh. I'm just like 40 feels sounds different in DC than it does in LA. Ooh, maybe. I, I would believe that. Because I too was very proud and vocal when I turned 40 and people were dismayed and said that like, no, don't do that. You don't lose jobs. That's why. And I was like, no, but I earned this. Like I'm still here. Like, wait, no, this is an achievement. Cause yeah. I'll turn to death. Yeah. So to death. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll turn it to me. Turning yeah. 40 is dead, yeah. bitch. This is a good thing. <laughs> and That's people, so unfortunate. It, it really is. And it's so funny because I had so much pride about turning 40 and Number one, I turned 40 during the pen- a month after the pandemic. Mm. So the whole world was shut down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was me at the time I was talking on the phone a lot. And one of my homegirls sent me a cake and sent me happy birthday over the phone. But like, it was during a pandemic. And so when we outside opened, I was like, okay, let's celebrate my 40th properly now. And people were like, Blue, stop telling people. Then I had co-hosts on different podcasts I've been on who when the audience would be like, you're so wise. They would weaponize my age. Like, she's not why she's 40. Like, you're old. <laughs> not why she's just old. When those two things are not synonymous with each other. So, I was like, are you, am I just, both times it happened, the co hosts were older than me. I was like, and you're that plus a couple. What are you talking about? So, I was like, okay. And then MTV called and all. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. Somebody from a major network, look, this is humanized, <laughs> called. <laughs> You can tell that I, a bitch is tired. It's been a week, babe. Okay. Somebody from a major network had been watching me as a talent scout. was like, we think you're amazing. There's a million shows that we want you to host. I was like, oh my God, I'm about to be rich. Went through the whole conversation. And at the very end, she was like, so how old are you again? Like 32, right? I said, 32. Bitch, when I was 32, Obama still had black hair. What are you talking <laughs> <laughs> And so I was like, no, 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 at 10. And she said, oh. And her exact words were, I wish you hadn't told me that. And then she hung up. I, yeah. It happened three more times. I'm not going to name the other networks because I can't afford to keep on doing that. But like several times I've lost opportunities because of turning 40. And it's like the joy that I felt about it kind of felt diminished. So you talk about it on the D in the DMV area on the East coast. I'm like, oh, that's how I would have sounded. I think it's like, I, I also, I, I have no desire to have my face on anything. So it's also, right. like, hmm, yeah. it's, it's weird. It's weird to me. I, I, see, I see like you do and I'm like, everybody's great. And then 
when I see myself, it's not bad, but I'm, I, I think there's also like a lot of other personal things where I'm like, this feels weird and a little disconnected to me. So anyway. Um, so this connection I agree with, because I'd I be looking at stuff like, who's that? Like, oh, that's me. That's weird. Oh, that? Yeah, real strange. But yeah, I'm also, you know, I, I'm also in, in academia and I, I work in like healthcare. Like, I, I think there is like an age thing, but because of the way I look, I mean, I don't get respect. You're not going to have a certain level of respect anyway, because of who you are, right? There, it's, there is a certain uphill battle in any profession that you have to, but I think mine my battle right now is more of like, I have to prove to people that I'm Dr. Thomas, right? Like it's not a, it's not a, I don't, I have too many degrees at this point. (laughs) So it's just like, now when I go to- I'm happy you're out of school, babe. It was a lot of degrees. Right, right. It's like, even if I tell you that I'm 40, you think I'm too young, right? It doesn't matter if I had a certain level of experience, who've I worked at, whatever. Like there are going to be, particularly in academia, white men saying like, you are still not enough. So, you know, I I get it. I don't, I don't, at this point, no. Okay. At this point, no. I know, I know when I, I know when I have to care, right? I know when I have to care in order to keep my job. I know when I have to care in order to like make things move, but that is a conscious decision for myself, right? Even then, do you really have to care? Because I think the reason I'm asking the question is because my favorite part about the forties is the comfort you feel like, like, well, this is what it is. It's, you're it's in it, right? Yeah, right. I feel. And then at a certain right. point, if you're competent, do you really care what they think outside of giving you what you deserve? You, you know what? I care. I will say this. I care less, but I think what I'm realizing, what is also, what I'm also realizing is that all of this is made up, yep. right? Like, like all of, none of this is real. <laughs> like any, the, I always like to think about the knowledge that, that I have there's a day before where that did not exist, right? Like somebody said it and it was so, and so we follow it. And so, you know, and that's, that's what I describe as queerness to me, right? Like I identify as a queer individual and queerness to me is I'm going to question every single thing because I know that it is made up. (laughs) It is not real. So that, and I think for, especially when you're in academia, that's hard for people to think because they're just like, but there's a rule, right? There's a way I was listening to your last episode about therapy and, your cousin, I believe, I only listened to it, you know, she was talking about, you know, you learn certain ways and modalities of treatment, and then it gets passed down, you get learned. And then for you, you, I heard you were talking about like, the lack of either interaction around spirituality or or knowledge for clinicians or whatever, like those two things don't get integrated, right? And I think the thing- So when spirit tells me something if I say it to a a, a a tried and true textbook therapist they'd be like she's hearing voices I'm like no let this the African spirituality that lives in my body is not me hearing voices right right or you can be you can be knowledgeable and competent about that right and discern, be able, which is which. you can be able to discern um and I think you know and I think that's also just like me at 40 it's just like I can intake information but I can now be discerning right like I choices are what I need I'm a tourist I need choices right I need if I'm still walking, a tourist friend look at us no if I'm walking down a path it was intentional right it was built that way and I think even with a with a particular life change that I have just had I am also learning that even if I make the best decisions it doesn't mean it's going to be the best outcome, right? It doesn't mean it's going to be something that I want, but it probably avoided something even bigger, you know, down the line that I don't know about. And I just trust that, right? I just trust that 
I can only make decisions as good as I can with the information that I have. You know, um, so funny about outcome, I've detached myself from outcome a little bit where if I completely stand behind how I showed up, I kind of have learned to mind my business about the outcome. Yes. The beauty of having so much failure is that I've recognized that failure is not always a reflection of what you did. Right? Like sometimes things fail because they weren't meant to be or because there's an incompatibility outside of your your scope of of, of, of impact. But if I did my best and I fuck with heavy how I showed up, I actually almost low-key am cool with whatever the fuck happens after that. That was God. I'm minding my goddamn business. <laughs> I, I, have, I have learned there are people who believe in a process and people who believe in an outcome. And I was like, as okay. a process person, like I value the process because I don't, I don't know what the outcome could be, right? Like, but I'm going to make sure what I'm doing is ethical, is it according to my morals? And if not, right? Like it doesn't, we're not all perfect. So if we intentionally make a choice that was not okay, then you also need to be okay with the absolute <laughs> shitty that you chose for yourself. <laughs> to be honest, sometimes when I make a choice and things don't work out the way we all planned, I would have still made that same choice. Like, no, I would have still showed up like that. Because here's the thing. I think a lot of people who you said the people who believe in process and those who believe in outcome, I wince at people who believe quote unquote an outcome only because ethics tends to be deprioritized. Mm. Integrity tends to be deprioritized. I feel like the best folks are those who want and desire and are committed to a good outcome, but not willing to compromise the integrity that they show up with on the journey there. I got you. I know some folks who are willing to compromise every goddamn thing to get the outcome. Yeah. yeah. Those are not my people. Yeah. Those are my people. If I got to lie back and steal, is it really mine? Uh, Yeah. No. What's the process? (laughs) Who's going to be like, why is this? Okay. Now I'm not saying no, but I'm saying, hmm. (laughs) Can we we be honest about ego though? Because I, I, one of the things I know we have in common is we sound like we have a lot of integrity because we do, but it's also ego based where, I'm not doing it under I got I gotta look stupid and explain myself to you. You're not about to have me out here hemming and hawing and stuttering like a child at my big old age. Let's have reason. <laughs> That's all I need is a reason. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm too old to be doing things that I have to I have to be a child and, a, and be play small for. Oh my bad, you caught me. Uh-huh. No. What? No, we're gonna do we're gonna do it with a chest. <laughs> I, I do think that two Tauruses who are in this space are probably why we're so alike in the way that we see things. I do think that once I'm watching you, because we've known each other for like 15 years now. It is. I've been in the DMV for almost 20. Next year will be 20 years. I've been here. Why do you keep trying to age me, friend? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was young. Whatever young is. Yeah. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> 32 plus, plus 10. It's fine. No, um, no, I realized that when we were younger... I was undiagnosed because I had I didn't know I was neurodivergent. So people were people who thought I was rude didn't realize that. No, my I just am matter of fact. So I think when you are neurodivergent and, and not diagnosed, you just get used to being misunderstood. Hmm. Like I just answered your question. Why is everybody upset? Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to tell her the shirt is ugly, but she asked me if I liked it and I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was one of those things. <laughs> and <laughs> you remember those days. You remember me in my undiagnosed days. And one of the things I remember is that like, I was constantly feeling misunderstood, but you you always felt like a misfit who was open-minded about seeing my heart without jumping to judgment, right? Yeah. And, And I think a part of me 
has always felt like a kinship to you because of that. And my thing is, how did you learn living in the DMV area in academia, two things that are rife with uh, judgments and superiority complexes? How did you figure out how to still be human and not do that thing that a lot of DC folks did to me of like feeling superior because I was different? Mm, mm-hmm. You mentioned that queer means different. Let's be honest. Queer means other than what is considered the mainstream. But there are a lot of people who say queer with, with, with their chest who are still deeply judgmental of everything that is other to what they think is okay. Right. right. So how did you like avoid that pitfall? As a general life skill or mm-hmm. as a person? Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will say part of as a life skill and then I will say as a part of the community that we are a part of mm-hmm. um because I think one bleeds over into the other so I am so by trade I'm a social worker so I just social workers I got I went to I got to the DMV because I went to Howard University for social work and one thing that really humbled me and I talk about this in another <laughs> podcast but kids humbled me when I got to you know Howard and I had to do our way to do internships you know do our live internships in places where we work and I worked in a high school. <laughs> I think my first or my second year. Listen, I am I just came from a PWI. I'm from the suburbs, like different household. Like Hampton, Virginia is very different from the DMV. So Virginia is very different, yes. Different. So we, you know, we're black, but we country. Like we just there is just a different essence of how blackness looks like in the culture. So when I got to the city, <laughs> when the country girl got to the city, I was hit with who are you white woman <laughs> right I was saying oh, wow you know, you're not from here right because of the way that you talk you know you're from Howard University like there is there was just like an air of just, and the kids were just like no like you gotta earn respect like you got like no you gotta earn your place amongst us right like you gotta mm-hmm. earn our respect particularly as a social worker particularly with the history of what social work does particularly in black communities right so I think for one I was very humbled by my kids, you know, and I had to learn to earn their respect. And a part of that meant being able to learn from them, knowing that I was not the expert, being able to be open to whatever stories they were coming and telling me about them. So it was just like, I had to sit with those things and not be judgmental about it. Um, For our (laughs) particular community, I think that what leaves me open you know, it it's really about evolution for me. It's I am really proud of seeing my friends being able to be successful. Like Blue, I am really proud of you. Like that you have talked Aww. about this for a very long time. Like this, like ever since like we have made these, you know, our little videos like at your in your apartment. <laughs> and we were all like kicking it like those are those are those are memories to me and I think and I'm going to plug this in because I think we should talk about it but there should totally be some sort of film or documentary or something that talks about like black queer DC and the like early 2000s oh it was a a part of that right like a lot of the like events that we went to a lot of the things like you are a part of a lot of these projects and people and and how they move about like you 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 did a lot for the community so I think that should be nobody in LA knows that by the way I know. <laughs> right. Like I y'all are, y'all are whack for not. And it's just like I can say that because that I am not a part of that community, but and y'all are whack for not. But Blue has started a lot of even pop even before, not even podcasts, but even before when people were doing the the series. The production company. 
Uh, here's a, <laughs> like, you're probably one of the few people on earth who knows that Blue Centric, the reason why my page is Blue Centric is because it used to be Blue Centric Productions. Yeah. There's also know that I ran a production company. That we all were in. Like a lot of us got, a lot of us had started having our faces out there due to you. So I think it's like, yeah, I, I, I like seeing the evolution of people. There are a lot of people who are doing really great things that are queer. And mm-hmm. I, and I just, and, and that is, that, that is what I invest in, right? Like I do, I I do see some of the the fault of especially as an elder millennial. So I am blue is not, well, but well, I am an elder millennial. The, the, the term is geriatric millennial. Oh, okay. I was, <laughs> you know, I, I was told I had a geriatric pregnancy, so I I believe that. So as a geriatric millennial, <laughs> I will say that you know we are not doing a very good job of reaching back to the younger folk and being able to bring the new generation in because what i am hearing in my i'm also a therapist what i hear in my private practice when i'm working with these folks is that we don't know what to do right like we don't know what the next steps are you know what what you know I, what is my gender identity or like how do i get a job or i'm interested in doing this but i try to reach out to people in my age group and people ignore me and it's just like I, I don't know what social media is doing to y'all, but step back, <laughs> right? Like step back and grab some of these, young, and I'm not talking about you in particular, but like step back and get some of these folks. So it's just like, I, I enjoy seeing my community grow in, 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 in particular ways. I think I am concerned that a lot of us also don't say like, Hey kid, <laughs> like let's also help you. I'm going to say something that might be a little spicy, but I mean it. So let's go. I think the reason why a lot of people our age are not reaching back is because they're still trying to pretend they're their age. How am, I, how am I going to act like an elder when I'm trying to pretend like I'm not? It's okay to get old, y'all. Yeah, I think a lot of people okay. who are over, and I'll say 35, because something happens to you when you hit 35, like, oh, man, this is real. Mm-hmm. You were a doctor, you get 35, geriatric becomes a word. I something. remember that day, right? I was so legit. Yeah, so <laughs> even though we're talking about being 40, like, 35 is when the dun-dun started. Like, oh, shit. Like, I'm not, I'm geriatric. So I think a lot of my friends who are over 35 want to be seen as juicy and young and vibrant as the 25 year olds and are so busy chasing that semblance of youth that they're forgetting the, not just the responsibility, but the privilege that comes with getting older and becoming an elder. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's a privilege to again, be alive for my forties to be the one that the doctors can talk to when my mother's in the hospital to be the support system for my cousins who are in their mid twenties and their frontal lobes just congealed five minutes ago. And they still don't know how to do, do life. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a privilege in that. Cause to me, love means to be of service. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people are so busy wanting to be seen and have a look. They forget how to love that way. Yeah. Makes me yeah. sad. Yeah. You know, so funny, speaking of being 40 though, have you seen that, that video that's been viral over the last 24 hours of the young lady with a heavy filter on her face, who is speaking into the camera talking about how she needs all the women over 40 to stop wearing pigtails and side ponytails and buns because we look like old people pretending to be babies. The gag is, Shania, she looks like us. Like, if you were to tell me that all four of us, three of us went to high school together, I would believe it. So, like, huh. what, what does that even mean? Okay. And I can't wear a ponytail because I have 40. Who is making, you know what? The same women who are making these rules, the same toxic women who make rules like, sis, you can't wear a ponytail over 40 are the same ones who tell men that they're gay for eating bananas. Yeah, I just, like, I, yeah, those are my people. Going back to the people. 
ass. Like those are those are my people. Because because I'm also just like, why why do you associate ponytails with like being young like that? And that's again why I say you look childish. You look childish, mom. You look childish, sis. I go to work this way. (laughs) It's just like, girl, you look my age. You my thing is. The people who are turning 40 now, we look younger, in my opinion, than the girls who are just turning 30, because the girls who are just turning 30 have lived a faster life. Social media has sped this shit up. In the last episode of my cousin, I was like, y'all are aging much faster. Like it used to be that you would be in your mid thirties before you felt like, oh, I'm, I'm not the young buck anymore. These kids, the 12 year olds are pushing them out by the time they're 27. Yeah. Like with Gen Z Alpha, what's the next generation we on? We back the alphabet started back up. I feel like every time I talk to somebody, the <laughs> A B C, I'm like, who? What the the, the, the younger ones? Mm-hmm. Gen Z, I think, is all, actually not even the younger. I think the alphas are below them. Alpha, yeah, there's the alpha. Okay, right, right. So the alphas, the Gen Zers, are trying to pull out the baby millennials. So I have a lot of friends who are who are who are like not even thirty yet, who are starting to feel older than we feel. Oof. We need to have a healing. It's almost like, and it's almost like they feel like they have to. Like when I, when I was 30, I started to feel it settled into myself. I was like, Ooh, I like this. Like, this was good. And then once I hit like 32 or on my Saturn return, I was just like, oh, hell yeah. Like we are, you know, we're cooking good grease now. And 40, I'm like, nah, I don't give a fuck. Like it, it, it yeah. gets better with age, but we also don't have messages to tell people that I didn't, I know I didn't get that either. So I believe that. Does aging scare you at all? I <laughs> does aging scare me? Yeah, does it scare you at all? I'm more worried about things work. I'm worried about the internal stuff more than the cosmetic stuff. Yeah, I think I'm getting used to the cosmetic stuff. Like the like nobody told me about the molds. Like I have molds all over my body. <laughs> like the molds are out, but also it's genetic. So I also see and my a lot of my a lot of my aunts, like they are still, they're pretty young looking. So I'm not too worried, but you know, sometimes I'd be like, Ooh, hold on now. Especially after I had a baby. So I'm like, Ooh, a little bit. Well, here's the thing too. We keep on talking about aging well and, and being mistaken for younger. A part of me wonders, is that semblance of having a young spirit or coming off younger than your age? Is there a privilege in that? Because let's be honest, we have some old faced friends who looked 40, 10 years ago. Wait, wait, sorry. I'm... <laughs> you can't all be baby faces. <laughs> so like, I wonder for those who look their entire age, is there some... <laughs> what Ones who have, have maybe, you know... They're... Who look like their mother has lived, okay? For those who look... Like they have, they have lived lives, you know? We're Probably. all living life. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I okay. have to be honest. Like, would we be talking differently if we did look elderly? Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I, I I'm honest I, enough to I, say I would. I would. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I would definitely... I think I do have the... Pri- like, jeans are on my side. Yeah. I and we're black so there's you know, that. I have the privilege of like taking care of myself you know yeah health insurance you know I, I have the basic things that literally you know help me to be able to like support myself um so yeah I totally agree um that but how will I, you handle when you start to look old think about that well I think even now like even now I'm just like oh like 
you know, oh, I'm getting dry. Like I'm getting drier than what I was. So it's just like, now I got to go out and look for some face cream and some retinol A, B, C. Girl, let me tell you, I'm on, I'm on camera right now with, with no makeup on, the way that I, I dip my face in and moisturizer. Yes, yes. I have, I just bought three moisturizers. Girl, I saw a video <laughs> I, of a- I, I carry moisturizer with I have, me. I have hand, hand cream. You see this? Dry. Dry. All of it. Yes. That's the good stuff. I've been using it on Jose. Hold on for a quick second. I'm going to make this quick announcement. For those who are watching, uh, Shanae and I are showing off our hand creams and our face creams. <laughs> and our different, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anybody who hits 30, the minute you hit, you hit 30, ladies. We're talking about not, not reaching back. Let's reach back right now. The minute you start, <laughs> she's putting moisturizer on her lips. The minute you hit 30, I need you to moisturize your hand, your necks, because I saw a girl on Instagram who gorgeous, impeccable surgery, great booty lift, whatever Botox she got, it was hitting. And then she showed her hands. And I said, wow, well, you still you are 112. <laughs> you still have to moisturize. Ever since then, I keep moisturizing my hands because she scared the shit out of me. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, get some good just daily. After you wash your hands, hands get some and water. Drink some yeah. water, please. Make that is that also makes the difference because hydration does make a, a huge difference. It's one of those things too. Like I was talking to a friend about how I'm going to London next month um, because I was in a fever dream and spent um, rent money on Beyonce tickets. <laughs> These Beyonce tickets are almost as much as my rent. And okay. um, I told Zay they have to get a job. So, you know, it's fine. Zay, Zay is Shanae's baby for those who are wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Zay is my four-year-old. So Zay's going to get a job. So mommy, so I spent that much money. I was like, oh, this is a great reason. And my birthday's coming up. This is a great reason to like get back on the health kick. And with my mother being in the hospital for high blood pressure and knowing that my high, if I have high blood pressure, it's not because of my weight. It's always because of stress from work. Mm. So I've never had it because of my size. It's always been, I'm working in the news. Life is stressful. Damn. Like the election. When Trump was elected, I had to be put on medication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working at the griot and we were constantly writing about him. And the stress of thinking the world's going to come to an end made me sick. And so I was like, okay, now that my mother's in the hospital for blood pressure and they're helping her, it's almost like a cautionary tale about what's going to happen if I don't manage my stress levels as much as I manage my physical health. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start eating healthier and X, Y, and Z. Girl, let me tell you something. My biggest fear, and since we're talking about aging, this is not what the episode was supposed to be about, but I feel like maybe it's what it needed to be about. I have several people that I know who have lost a lot of weight over a certain age and it aged them. Mm. They looked like melted candles. Mm. And I don't judge them at all. I think they still look good. I just know for my vanity's sake, let's be honest about the moments where we can be vain. I can't imagine being cherubic and fun and giddy for 40 years and then dropping a bunch of weight and looking like the crib keeper. You know what I mean? And have it so, yeah. So even when it comes to like body transformations, when you're 20, you could like, okay, I'm going to crash diet and drink lemon water for 10 days and, and be snatched. But as you get older, to your point, collagen, elasticity, stress. Makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I wanted to, to have this conversation in a very vulnerable way because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm aging and I love it because I don't give a fuck. That, that part is true. There's also this humbling moment when you find a gray hair. You're like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, things are happening. Okay, yeah, things are happening. Freaking. Yeah, your bones are getting you. You know, your you know, all of our skin kind of like shifts in a particular way. Like, yeah, I I don't I don't think people talk about it enough around our age right like yeah. I think I think we are in the stage of just like let's color it let's dye it let's put on some retinol and do this and that and the other and you look good but yeah. you're still you're still your age yeah but you're still but you're still your age and so you know I've even incorporated stretching my god <laughs> I need, okay so I need to do that I'm rickety it it I oh, I'm rickety. day day like day one I was sore and I was just like I'm not doing this shit and I was just like no that's how you stop right so it's just like no I'm gonna keep going I do it in the morning do it at night day two I slept like a baby swear you have a video that you do or something or are you just using the the spirit uh, I, I you know I used to be an athlete so it was just like I mean I, I have a are you flexing right now that's fine. <laughs> I just had this routine that I do, but I, I can I can definitely tell you what I do. It's not hard. <laughs> While you were talking, I was thinking I was like I was thinking about what young women that I would want to be a big sister to. I don't like the word auntie. I'm not using it. I know everybody else likes it. I'm good. Okay. That's fair. Um, the reason why I don't use auntie is for political reasons because as a fat black woman, the mammy, mammy stereotype is waiting for me, and I'm not walking towards there. Like I don't ever want to be a mammy or Aunt Jemima or whatever. So I just think for plus size black women um, who are brown skinned, the word auntie is loaded for us in a way that's different for other people that I'm not, I don't subscribe to. Like, I don't want to be seen as like a sexless matriarch. So yeah, when my lighter, fair skinned, younger friends call themselves aunties, it's seen as fun as an ironic. You know, but- I call myself auntie. I'm not trying to play with y'all because you go say the wrong thing. I'm gonna fuck around and cuss you out. Can I also say that auntie is also a title that gets earned, right? So it's just like, I <laughs> like I, um, I understand that we are in an age to where we would be aunties, right? But I also have to be like, some of y'all, some of y'all out here like owning this title, but y'all not reaching back to the kids. The kids is what makes you aunt, right? The it's the and when I'm talking about kids, not even birth, right? I'm talking about like you taking on younger generation of whomever and exactly. being able to bring them into into adulthood like that's what an auntie is and so I also I I respect what you just said absolutely and I would also challenge people around like especially when we're talking about we're going to be ancestors one day (laughs) right so like who's putting you on their altar yeah just saying so yeah and my actual auntie who I adore is on my altar so that's funny that you said that because I'm sitting in my dining room and yeah you're right to be an auntie is you hearkening like the art, like the archetype of being a, a a part of a community in a village. And if you only care about yourself, you only care about money, you only care about looking good, you only care about bagging whoever's hot on your arm, and you don't do anything to feed people who've come after you, you really are an auntie. Like even if you're being fun about it, you really are an auntie. You're just a, a, a lonely rich bitch. You know, flies and, in. And people are just like, I can do what I want. Do what you want. But I in in my community, yeah. <laughs> it's earned, right? That is a earned title because there is a some sort of system that we are building together where you are caring for wh- whomever, right? In that system. So. I, I'm gonna call myself a supple elder. And in the spirit of being know, <laughs> you know, in the spirit of being a supple elder. <laughs> Because I moisturize, okay? Um, in that spirit, if I had to think about who I would love to be a big sister to, 
I think about what's happening recently at LSU with Angel Reese. Is that her last name? Because I'm not I'm not into basketball, so y'all need to know. I didn't know who this young lady was until she became I'm my first person. Yes, only because I think yeah, that's her name, Angel Reese. And the thing I love about Angel Reese is her emotional intelligence is superior to what people would assume looking at her. Like she has a superior intellect when it comes to being able to gauge what's authentic and what is bullshit and her courage to call it by its name and not to compromise. I was at least 30 before I knew how to do that. Yeah. has been here several times before. Mm -hmm. And when she said, Hey, you said something hurtful. You didn't even apologize properly. You didn't say, sorry. You just walked it back. Joe Biden. So for those of you who don't know, who've been living under a rock, uh, Angel Reese from LSU uh, was got a lot of backlash because she did a hand gesture that we all know in the streets, like, you can't see me. And she did it to a white girl who had been doing it to everybody else. But when she did it, suddenly the world was coming to an end. Uh, people all over the place, even people who pride themselves on being white allies on, on cable networks were calling her disgusting and classless and X, Y, and Z. And she said, y'all was going to be mad anyways. I still won. Right. And then when Joe Biden was, Joe Biden was like, and I, it's so funny because Jill and Joe Biden sound so common. When Jill, Dr. Jill Biden said, well, why don't we invite the white girls to come too? She was like, oh, then if you're going to invite the losers to a winner's dinner, then we ain't got to show up. Yeah. And if the black girls had lost, I doubt that we'd be getting the same invite. And I, I want to talk about the optics of the Iowa versus LSU game, because it's not lost on me that even though both teams are amazing, right? I did some research. Them girls are beasts, right? Even though both teams are amazing, let's keep it a buck. One team is mostly, if not entirely, all white, except for one, like biracial girl, probably. And the mm-hmm. other team is very brown and melanated. And you're trying to tell me that folks on a, in a visceral, subconscious, tribalistic place didn't feel a way watching these Black girls tap dance all over the feelings of these white girls. You're trying to tell me that, that didn't happen in anybody's subconscious. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why so many people were so disgusted was the black girls beat the white girls and had the audacity to be proud about it. Why do you think black women being prideful offends so many people, including other black people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, I think first for me, and, and I will say this as, a former athlete I think for me I will also even say before <laughs> before it's even like you know I don't know anything about the team so it, it's not even about LSU and Iowa for me but it's like we wouldn't even be having this conversation if these were men <laughs> at all they were talking people athletes talk shit like this is awesome. what you like yeah we talk shit when we ran track like that's how that's how you get LeBron talk shit daily Somebody the next day was just like, yeah, I got to go home and watch the game. I'm like, what game? And, and I was just like, the games are over. The girls games were over. Right. So right. I forgot the men still needed to play. So like, this is what makes sports exciting. You talk shit. And so I'm also just like, I'm glad these two girls, first of all, are not playing into this. Like everybody's, you know, everybody's yeah, the white girl, Caitlin, sh- shout out to her. She's not, she's like, she's like, yo, I talk shit every day. 
I can yes, take yes I talk to you every day but really the the issue for me is like we would not be having these kind this is this is an everyday for LeBron <laughs> this is an everyday for all these other athletes that that play and that are men so I think that's also the problem I mean I think that we you know we live in a place where massage and why and like you know the hate for black women is high right where it's just like you know going back to Malcolm X you know the most disrespected woman and most district person is the black woman right so I think that that's always going to be some sort of underlying current for anybody you know somebody also brought in the thought about like you know Iowa's a swing state so that's also a reason to like play a certain card which if that is right 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 which I didn't even think about and even if that's the case I'm still like you wouldn't do that to a men's team right like you wouldn't say hey everybody come on and join like you would not do that you were you are playing these kids as pawns if you are doing that and that is disrespectful because they are talented athletes from what i see both of those teams were good they were talking shit as they as you should to make a good game and somebody lost <laughs> and that's it right like that is the case but I, I think in terms of black women, like there, there's always, there's always going to be an underlying current that we can't do enough. We can't be enough. We're going to be violent. We're going to be aggressive, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get what we're supposed to, but I'm also really happy that Angel Reese and so I just saw a clip of them talking about how much money they're making from yeah, ring deals as a student athlete who got per diem. <laughs> She said Angel Reese and her teammates are set to make history for the amount of money they're making as students. Do it. Do it. Do what we couldn't. (laughs) Do what we couldn't. I will say this, though. I think the reason why so many... Why people understand why they're upset. But I think the reason why so many Black folks might have jumped on the bandwagon of calling her classless, which was wild to me when I saw it, but not surprising, is that we're often told that as people of color, what's that old saying? We have to work twice as hard to get half as far, right? When one of us is being vainglorious as a masculine figure, it's inspirational. Look at Muhammad Ali. Look at pre-meltdown Kanye, right? We clap for vainglorious Black men because we're so used to seeing Black manhood attacked by the system. However, we're also used to expecting that Black women are going to play the the background as the mules, right? I had a friend who I found out was not a friend. And when I thought back about all the moments that I missed symbols that he was not a good friend to me, I thought about the first time we ever got on the phone and he said, well, good old Blue, I know you're going to figure out a way to help everybody. And I was like, good old Blue, I'm not a mule, I'm a person. (laughs) And there was this thing, and he he said it with a smirk, like almost like Big Mama will fix it. And I was like, we're so used to black women eating shits and setting themselves on fire to keep the rest of the community warm that any semblance of pride or even reasonable selfishness from a black woman almost offends everybody because you're supposed to be the matriarch. You're supposed to be the one who buckles under the weight of the world. But when I make it on stage, I can thank you for not having your spot and paving the way for me. So let's be quiet. You have your own spot, though. Right, 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 right. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to get this far. Fuck that. When I tell you I am never being a mule again, if I even smell donkey shit in the horizon, I'm running in the other direction. And then there was there was a a, a, a pundit, not a pundit, what should I call her? An academic, uh, a thought leader, a cultural critic. I've been called a cultural critic since I started working at the Griot, so that term always feels right for me. There's a fellow cultural critic who I won't name who's heavily respected. In fact, I'm going to write it in the chat. Oh, Lord. Well, I got to be responsible. Okay. 
Don't say it though, because I don't want to get sued. You are? okay. All right, so I just wrote in the chat. I love that okay. we're doing. Yes. So yeah, she's familiar with. Okay, yes. Go ahead. She's highly respected. However, she and a couple other old school cultural critics who I came up with and and thought highly of, they're aging into respectability politics like gatekeepers. Mm. And when she saw what Angel Reese said, she said, ooh, now Angel, you got a little bit too much um, chip on your, a dip on your chip if you're not going to take the first lady's apology. And I was just like, you're supposed to be, 10 years ago, you were a progressive thinker who was pushing the envelope. And now that you've made all this money off your platform and you're comfortable, you're wagging your finger at the next generation for having the same chutzpah you had? I don't I don't think telling the first lady that she has you fucked up because she played in your face and you're not okay with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with Angel saying that. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. And so but then I think about folks who, and this might get me in trouble. I have once had a friend who their pronouns were they, and my friend accidentally said she and then quickly corrected and said, I'm sorry, I meant they. And they cussed my friend out as if this person was a fucking bigot from the clan. Mm. And so I often grapple with where's that line between righteous indignation and reasonable amount of grace because nobody's gonna listen to you if you shame them. Like that's become a thing for me, right? Like where do we have that line of no, be uncomfortable. I want to change the world and shake the table, but also can I have a little bit of grace while I'm figuring out this new world? Like where's that line? Um, or is there one? I don't. Yeah, I think it's different for everybody. I think that, and I think that's what makes that's what makes it harder for people to want to assimilate to new worlds like this because you are not able to get a certain amount of grace to learn right for yeah. going back to you know dr dr joe biden like maybe she didn't know that everybody couldn't come to the white house right and so yeah. then, then it's like the apology comes she should right like let's say she didn't we gave her grace right yeah. some people are like hell no <laughs> right some people are like she made a mistake she doesn't know she was trying to be nice like everybody has their different line right and so if there if the line is always going to be different depending on who I'm interacting with I don't want to make a mistake right that means that I am a fool I didn't learn enough I didn't do enough and so that makes us afraid to try um and I think things that I say during trainings is that I have to like that's just the world that we live in now that you make the decision of how much grace that is right now. Let's say going back to your friend, don't know the situation, but your friend who misgendered you on the friend by accident and the person cursed it out. Now it's now what I would tell to your friend is like, now it's up to you <laughs> whether you decide you want to keep interacting with this person. And if you do, of course, you're going to do better about the pronouns. Right. But did you also not appreciate how much grace or not grace that this person gave you? You can gladly walk away, right? So I, I think we just have to make a decision for ourselves on how much is too much. Now, I, you know, and, and still on kind of the gender thing, like I hear people be like, well, I'm not learning all those words, right? I'm not too many words. I'm not going to learn them too much. If you can learn how to use the <laughs> and, and and an Alexa and everything else, you can learn a damn pronoun. It's too much. It's too much. It's too hard, yeah. right? So you have those people where it's just like, it's too much. And it's just like, then you actually don't have to interact, right? Like you just have to decide. But if you are going to do it, be respect. It's not even, it, it just be, I, people just need to learn at first. Like you're, you might mess up, right? 
This is just the human experience. We're going to mess up. And so how much grace that you decide to give is up to you. But that doesn't I mean- think, I think how much grace you decide to give isn't just up to you. You have to be willing to uh, receive properly. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's some people, and this might get, again, it might get me in trouble, but I mean it, so whatever. People who require a lot of grace, but don't give a lot of grace can kiss my ass. I My issue- yeah, my issue is hypocrisy. So my issue isn't about the line. You better meet, that line better follow you wherever the fuck you go. Because I think for me, the issue was that friend required a lot of grace for a lot of things for a long time. And I was like, you have required so much goddamn grace and you are completely, completely unwavering when it's your turn to give it. That's where people lose me. It's not about people, because my thing is this, right? My rule for myself is never be above reproach, but also never compromise your dignity. So nobody owes me grace if I misgender them. If I misgender you and you're upset, I was like, okay, you didn't have the grace to give. I don't know how that triggered you. I don't know what trauma response this is. You didn't owe me that. So I'm not going to be mad as if you owe me. I just know to never make that mistake around you again and to gauge if I want to fuck with you, right? However, if you are someone who was constantly showing your ass, and constantly requiring me to be the bigger person. And I accidentally do something that you know I don't mean. That's, that's the part that gets to me. You know my heart. You know, you saw me course correct and you come for the jugular. To me, it's not about the grace, it's about the hypocrisy. Oh, okay. So that's your line. My, my line is whatever rules you have going outward, you better have them going inward, or I don't want to fucking hear it. Hmm. Yeah, I have a thing about hypocrites. Because yeah, that sounds like your line. I think a lot of people who are mentally strong, people who are therapists, coaches, advocates, uh, intellects, academics, we recognize that we traverse a plane where we have an atypical amount of acumen around really complex things. And if we didn't show grace, we'd be making most of the general public feel stupid, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to show grace, not because we're better than them, but because we are steeped in this ideology. We're steeped in this doctrine. We're steeped in this work. And so I tell my clients all the time, I'm not better than you. I just have more practice, right? So because we have an, an atypical amount of practice being rigorous with the way that we mentally navigate the world, we naturally have to show grace to the lay person who's not investing as much as we are. And so for me, as somebody in that space, if I walked around thinking that I could just be superior and be an asshole, I wouldn't have no friends. I wouldn't have this podcast. Nobody would want to fuck with me. So I have to have grace just to leave the house, not to put my dick out all over the place. So when you're dealing with someone who you know is powerful in that way, and you're waiting for the first glitch to show your ass, I think all of us should make that a line. I'm sorry. I, I, think I, 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 I but I, I can't say that because I don't live everybody's life. Right. And I think that's yeah. the hard thing where it's just like, and that's why I say it's different for everybody because that your line might be too far for somebody. Right. Like sometimes it might not. T- sometimes people are just like, it takes one time. That's it. And, <laughs> and I have to say like, okay. Right. Like I can't push it. I can't push a line, but if somebody bugs on one, no, I'm not messing with them. But here's the thing though. It's not about the line, but are you a hypocrite though? Is that going to impede you from building up relationships? Are people going to stop fucking with you? You know, does that allow you to work out maybe some uncomfortable feelings around working with people who don't necessarily vibe with you? Maybe. Right. But that person has a right to be able to say like, fuck it nah if they're lying isn't with the fuck it nah it's the person who says it takes one time when it's them being upset but when they fuck up they want 12 times oh well yeah that's not my issue issue isn't the line my issue is the line being inconsistent 
If you are somebody who, perfect example, it's if there's some people that there's some things you can say to me, you'll, you'll be dead to me. I'll never speak to you again. Mm-hmm. If I was to say one of those things to you and you had the same reaction, I'd be like, bet I get it. So my thing isn't about how much grace are you showing? It's that whatever grace you require, I think you should be willing to give. Yeah. If you require something, just be willing to give the thing that you're asking of everybody else. Because I feel like I've been in rooms where people have required so much grace. And the minute you sneeze, you're cut off. I'm like, babe, that's not, that's, if we all followed your lead, you wouldn't be here either, babe. So it's not about, it takes one time. It better take one time going and coming. <laughs> like, for example, with you, you are very forgiving. And that's why I would feel forgiving towards you because I've seen you show it. So I feel good giving it back to you. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you were a cold-blooded assassin, please don't be asking me for shit. <laughs> nah, killer. Keep that same energy, killer. <laughs> no. What would you say to um, someone who does not want to reach across to different people because they're scared of getting their heads bit off because there is this addiction to pontificating now, especially on social media, that to this conversation, there are some folks who wear their pain as a badge of honor, maybe rightfully so I'm not even judging that. And because they do every conversation turns into them preaching. Sometimes you're like, Oh man, I really just wanted to say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Like, do we have to have a 20 minute TED talk about it? Like, so what do you say to, 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 those people on either side who might have what I call rage addiction. Cause I think there's a lot of disempowered people who are using anger as a facsimile for power rather than healing from what's hurting. Um, I mean, how do you, I, I, I mean, I would say for one, be mindful of what those looks, what that looks like, particularly how people are ingesting information, particularly on social media. Like, I feel like sometimes I have to continuously step out of like Instagrams and the TikToks and all that, because I feel like everybody's doing that, right? Like, I feel like everybody's just like, I have an issue. Let's talk about it. And it's just like, yes, there are issues and we should talk about it. Absolutely. And we're also having conversations about corn, right? We're also having conversations about laundry. Like I also like miss the ability to be able to just like sit and have normal conversations. We, I was just at a paint store and I had this lovely conversation with this woman about paint. It was like not, it was not exciting. It was boring. It was great. So I, I would say for one, like be mindful as you ingest things and how much you're ingesting things, not to color that everybody is like that, but also Mm -hmm. follow your intuition, right? Like I was comfortable talking to that lady for 20 minutes about pain because I felt like we were going to like have a decent conversation about pain, right? I didn't feel like it was going to be intense. I felt, you know, we felt safe with each other. There's another black woman, you know, we felt safe with each other. Like I want also people to get back to their center, right? Like you, you know, when you fuck up, right? You know, and, and and I know that there are some people who are just like, I can't feel that. I, I get that. And there are a lot of times where you can always get an inkling of like, there's something I didn't do quite right. Or like, maybe I need to ask a question. It's just we, because we live in a hyper, particularly with technology, we live in a, hi- a very hypersensitive world. Like, unfortunately, we have to start being a little hypersensitive. So that just might mean 
asking a question that might be you know, inquiring, it might be just like being able to step back and be able to say like, maybe I need to touch some grass, <laughs> right? Like maybe I need to actually go, go touch to some grass, mm-hmm. interact, sit in a park, like get, get yourself back, you know, and, and with safety, right? I know people are still cautious over COVID and all that. And I think that has really stunted our ability to be able to genuinely connect with people that don't deal with all of these issues that are going on because it, it it's it people are just so hypersensitive especially after living during trump times right like i had to tell some of my clients like you, take cnn off your phone <laughs> all right like take that shit off your phone when people say well they're still shooting people right but when i'm seeing like cops killing people take that don't watch that right you know, don't watch though is like what you're talking about is a certain level of humility yeah, and I think it's back to the original conversation around Angel and, and Dr. Jill Biden. Jill Biden, I, I think, had a missed opportunity. I don't think Jill Biden gave a good apology that a young lady with no respect bucked at. I think the young lady, Pete, that Jill Biden didn't own what happened because what she could have said was, you know what? It was not my intention to in any way make you feel marginalized. However, I am aware that unconscious racial bias is a thing. So if I did unintentionally create a space where you felt unsafe with my words that had good intention, I totally receive that and we'll we'll do better moving forward. Because in that moment, you're acknowledging the pain you caused, Mm -hmm. acknowledging what happened and saying that you've learned from it. Instead, all she said was, oh, my bad. Yeah, of course. Y'all can come. Yeah. Which meant the angel had a right to be like, nah. (laughs) Right? Like her line was like, no, you tried there to was no acknowledgement or no growth. And to me, a right. real apology means acknowledgement and improved behavior. Mm-hmm. Neither happened. She didn't improve her behavior. She just said, y'all can still come if y'all want. Like, so oh. I, I, I really do feel though that rage addiction is making me understand why Beyonce doesn't talk to us. Um, no, seriously, I'm not even famous. And a little bit of people who know me, some of them, I'm sure their asses in a way. I'm like, this is why your fave don't be responding to y'all. Cause y'all be, y'all be in the pits. Like I had somebody recently, um, it, it was something where I was saying, and you know, the word female, most of us who have an inkling of Wi-Fi and wokeness don't call human women females. We call them women. Um, and someone was talking to me and I said, female actress or something. And they're like, Ooh, I thought you were woke. I said, I used it properly as an adjective. Like I didn't, I didn't call her a female, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. actress, which is completely accurate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, you wanted to look so bad that you didn't even read the book, the handbook completely. There are so many folks who want to sound smart so bad that any moment of them seeing you be fallible, they see it as an opportunity for a gotcha to assert their dominance or superiority. Mm -hmm. There's something so unhealed about that. Because yeah, it's like, definitely uh, we're 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 trying to we're, it's the like the uh, one up to oppress right like it's just like now it's just master's tools right Audrey Lord that female I was like what the you fuck know, it's the just hell like we, we and and I you know and I I think even as an academic there there are times where I have to show grace because I'm just like we all didn't read the same book right and you know and to people you're talking about I'm also just like analysis matters. When you read Bell Hooks, did you read more than the second chapter? Like there are other things that she said besides these three lines that you keep recycling. Like 
have the opportunity to be able to ingest the, like I miss when we had book clubs and we talked about books like that was you, know, you were part of which part of one of my book clubs I had yeah some- like I, I what book did we read and I was so mad at you um gone <laughs> I read that damn book, right? And that was just like I will never read one of these. But yeah, I got to read. Acknowledge, right? It was, it was, it was still nice. To I was ahead of my time frame because it turned it into a movie, right? Was- right, and I didn't even watch the movie because I was still mad at the book. <laughs> so mad, I was like, "This girl did what?" Oh no! So yes, I, I, we, we are missing like being able to have that level of foundation, which is important. Which is again why I'm like, this sure. is why I talk to students. Like this is why I'd be like, hey, let me pass you on this book. This is why I buy more than one book and pass it out because I'm just like Maybe. the things you need to know in order to build legacy and to have have your words stick. Right? I I love that people are doing TikTok and Instagrams, all that fantastic. And what are we going to give people in order to be able to to continue the work? Right? It can't be these like two 15, 30 second clips, like what is the work doing in your community? How are you actually applying it, applying all this great theory and being in completion? That is what's the intention though, because TikTok, 40% of those explainer videos are inaccurate. Because I get a lot of information about it, right? Like I love sitting, I learned, I learned about Orthodox Jews last week. I hope you Googled everything you saw because there's a pandemic. Yes, and I do. There's a pandemic happening on TikTok where if you say something with enough bass in your voice, people think that they learned something and you just made something up. And there's actually a couple of TikTokers who have been intentionally making fake videos with fake information. Other people think, and and then saying at the very end of the video, we made this all up, guys. This is how much this happens on, on the on the platform. So, like, I do think the vetting process makes me a little bit nervous. To me, my question is always, "What's your intention?" Because you could do this. Two people could do the same thing with different intentions, and I only fuck with one of them. Because yeah, if yeah. your intention is just to be the smartest person in the room and make us all feel dumb, I don't actually want to hear anything you have to say. Yeah. Like when I talk to somebody, my my intention is to connect and to have like a rigorous tete a tete about what they're doing so I can learn from it and play with like a Rubik's cube. You know what I mean? So if I'm talking to you, it's because I'm like trying to understand and I'm excited about learning from you. A lot of folks just want their turn at being the oppressor. And that makes me sad. It makes me really sad. But one of the things you did mention is the book about books and you and I have a shared uh, goal Look at your face. <laughs> you like my segues, don't you? <laughs> She's like, bitch, where the hell is this going? You and I have a shared goal to get some significant writing done Yes. this year. Um, you had hit me up about us doing a writer's retreat. I'm still interested. Um, and my biggest, first question to you about writing and our shared goal about getting our thoughts on paper is do you yet have a schedule for writing? Cause I realized that when life is lifing, writing my book has become the thing that I deprioritize first to do everything else. And the irony is I feel like this book is the thing that is probably one of the most important things I'll ever do. So the two minds of knowing this is probably your life's work and also damn go run these errands, right? Like how have you dealt with as a writer creating time to write because I've sucked at it since I made the announcement in October Mm, um I do a better job so kind of on two extremes like for one you know writer like I have blocks of time I just realized I'm just better at like I if I have a hour day I'm spending that eight hour day writing if I have a weekend I'm spending a weekend away just writing like I have to be alone be in a space by myself um and then in between then you know because I have a 
kid. So you know, I also have to like balance, you know, I have to balance, take care of my kid, all the other jobs in a household. So I think something that I have done, um, which makes me feel a little better is that I um, leave my document up on my computer. And when I have two seconds in between, when I have 15 seconds in between something, I go in there and do something that like, I'm going to write something, I put in an idea. So it's just always there. So even if I do a little bit in like, if I say I write a sentence, great, right? That's more one more sentence that I had before. Um, if I go in there and just like, no, I'm gonna sit here and like edit. You know, I also count editing. Editing is and writing as writing. Like I do that Absolutely. for myself. Um, and so I I just make sure that I make time for even thinking toward writing still makes me be able to say that I'm making some level of progress. So that's been helpful. Those are the two extremes having being lucky and having somebody watch Zay or maybe even at work or take a day of work while I'm writing mm-hmm. or leave my document up and kind of add little things here and there well when you want to come back to LA let me know I will we will rent a house and be by the river and just be looking at the sunlight typing like I I yeah there's so much writing to be done writing is so fascinating because you have to live in the world to know what to write about but then you have to disappear from the world to actually write it Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times when I'm out socializing, I'm like, oh, this would be so good for the book. Oh, this is a great book for the book. And I'm like, I would have to leave here though to put it in the book. Like, it's I, I think there's a lifestyle shift that I'm gonna have to start working on to make it a thing. My goal is to have the first draft done this year. Okay. The okay. draft that I feel good showing to literary agents and like shopping around and finding an editor. Like, I just need to like that first blah. This year, I need to get it all out, at least draft one, right? Because it's a lot, like like I'm writing something big. And for you, what is your writing goal? Because I feel like having a goal kind of keeps me honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a book proposal that I'm supposed to send to. My goal is hopefully by like, because it doesn't include like a whole chapter. So it's like overview, you do the research, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're expecting that. So I, I want to get that out um, at least by May. Like it's almost like halfway done. So I want to do that. How long um, did that take you? Huh? Say again? How, how long did the book proposal take you? I've been chipping away at it. I decided that I was going to get serious about it last September. Um, mm-hmm. okay. But also like, my kids started in school. Like again, like bit by bit, <laughs> bit by bit. And that has been what has worked. Um, I was also in the middle of another project. So now that things are going with one thing, I do have more time. Um, yes. But that is my goal. So to finish that book proposal, I do have a, um, there's a more personal book that I want to write and put together um, about motherhood and queerness um, that I want to put together. Um, and my goal is to have at least like a, a book proposal draft of that by the end of the year. Cause I feel like that will a longer process i love that and i and i I do recognize that um the the appetizer that you have to create for people to know what you're working on and buy into it even as you're working on it that is a thing i think part of my adhd is i tend to get hyper focused about the work and not really give any thought about all the little pieces around the work you know what i mean like who are you reaching out to who's your like so I, I have to figure out a way and I'm, I'm unmedicated by the way. Right. I've had ADHD my entire life. I've never once taken medication. Um, I think I'm at the age now where I'm trying to wonder if I need to revisit my conversation with myself around med, around meds. Okay. 
because you know old school immigrant family we don't trust nothing coming from the government i get that <laughs> i get that no, when i, I, got, when I got my COVID shot i was like <laughs> yeah yeah people are like what's gonna happen to my brain when i take this i'm like yeah okay, so it. like I, I just have been taught to not trust. And then, you know, I, I also suffered at the hands of medical racism two years ago when my fertility doctor gave me pills to make me be infertile. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like to have a racist doctor who's trying to make you not get pregnant while you're there for, for babies. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to reexamine that because I wonder if I had my ADHD under control and wasn't white knuckling it like I have all my whole life, if that would be significant. What are your thoughts around all the undiagnosed, particularly black women, because we're very high functioning. There's all these studies coming out recently about how when we're depressed, we just get sassy, but we don't let ourselves cry because we feel like we have to save the world. Um, when we have when we have autistic, we just come off as matter of fact and rude. Like there's so many things that black women do where we don't have the luxury to fall to pieces. So we become really high functioning. Even talking to my mom's do- doctor, I said, do not let her fool you. She is high functioning and her pride will kill her. Like if she says she's okay, she's probably not okay. Yeah. And her doctor was like, oh, okay, that's good to know. So I feel like, do you think it's a good idea for black women to re-examine uh, our relationship with meds? Or do you think that uh, our holistic approaches are enough? Yeah, I I think that it's I think that it's okay to look at options. Um, one thing that I tell people when they come see me for therapy and they they ask a similar question of just like, yeah, I thought about meds and I don't know and I don't want to be drugged up. You know, one way that I put it is, is that, that what they say, by the way? I don't want to be yeah, drugged yeah, up. I don't want to be drugged up. I don't want to be a zombie. Like they're really, yeah, they're just like, I, I don't, I'm afraid. It's coming yeah. from the same place that you are. Just like, you know, whether, you know, I don't, don't want to be looking as crazy, right? Cause I'm taking medication or like I can do it. Like if I just, if I just have my planner, you know, have my Google calendar straight, you know, and do this, that I, my okay. smoothie, I could do yeah, it. Having a level of discipline that we never have. <laughs> right. Like, like if I just get up tomorrow on Tuesday and I'm just like, okay, I don't need it. Yes, girl, you need it. So yeah. what I say about medication is that it gives your brain a break, right? It doesn't make, it doesn't dumb things down. It yeah. doesn't take away your ability. You have been working in overdrive probably half, if not all of your life, why not give your gift? Why not give the gift to yourself of rest? Why not say, hey, I can take this medication. It's going to, you know, it's going to set me back a little bit, right? It's going to calm me down. I'm not going to be as anxious. I'm not going to, you know, maybe I can sleep better. Maybe I'll have a better appetite, right? There's all these things that can happen because you've literally been doing it. So now you've literally been doing it all your life. So now that you have medication taking care of the angst, of the anxiety, of your depression, of your depression. Now you have all this other time to actually concentrate on book writing, right? Being That's able true. to eat better, making sure that your calendar is straight. Um, so I always tell people it is, you know, the first six to eight weeks are always rough when you're trying to adjust, of course. So it's not a quick fix. Six it's to eight not- weeks. What happened to 21 days, doctor? You know, I think, yes. But if you want, but if you want to feel yeah. like effects where it's going to be ongoing like people feel things sooner with different medications of course but I think to know how it's actually going to be on a continuous pattern making sure that you're taking care of yourself that's when you know like oh this feels good and get and talk you know find a health provider that you you know that you actually trust but talking to them about like this doesn't feel good (laughs) right don't have anybody say like we'll just take more no 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 I am, again, intuition, right? My body is telling me this does not feel good. 
So either I need to back off and like cut it down. I either need to do something else. I need to do some more research and find other medications, right? Like I think luckily compared to when your folks, you know, were just like, ah, medication's bad. We have had a lot of different medications that come out that make people feel different ways, tackle different, um, different diagnoses. So science is a little better, right? But also finding those doctors that you trust in that are able to say like, I hear you. Like that's the most important important part telling people how you feel so then we can make the adjustment but medication is not all bad it gives you the opportunity to be able to have quiet your mind a little bit so you have space to do other things you know so it's so interesting hearing you talk because so much of what you're talking about comes down to an education and a nuanced understanding and giving yourself grace I think it's ironic that me and women like me who conceptually understand that I do think that there's this unintentional but ever-present pride like yes you guys all need that but I'm I'm good though you know what I mean like this thing of I'm going to advocate for something that I'm convinced that I can though do without and I think and I had to call bullshit on myself because I feel like a lot of us do that as high functioning people we're so used to giving everybody else their gas mask because we know that we can hold our breaths a little bit longer and then one day we look up and we've been holding our breath the entire time. Yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels like I've been handing out gas masks and realized that I was holding my breath the entire time. And now I'm like, <gasps> yeah. And, and you will die. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I'm also talking about, like I'm also thinking about like, there have been people in my life who like die from black women who've died from stress. Yeah. Um, I recently had a kind of in my circle, a very close death, one of my friend's moms. And one thing that we realized oh, and kind of like going through and like, thank you, um, going through and looking through her stuff is that she was undiagnosed, unmedicated. She was also like, you know, in, in, you know, hospitals getting help. And a part of that, a part of her narrative was her family members were just like, don't tell nobody. <laughs> right. So it's just like, I'm, I'm also seeing the effects of like, when we are quiet about this, how, yes, mm-hmm. we are muscling through it, but my you know that person who was close to me like had a very hard time in life like they were not okay and they didn't treat their kids okay and their grandkids like it it gets passed on when we close up and we're just like we got it we will die it will kill us it will kill us every time it's so so wild because my mom's doctor today was like her cat scans look good her blood pressure is slowly coming down but she was so abnormally tired and so I had the nurse make her call me it's like mom why are you so tired She's like, baby, I haven't been well for a long time. And I said, mom, that's not okay. She, I was like, wait, what do you mean? She's like, baby, I've just, you know, <laughs> I have, I've been tired a long time. I said, mom, that's part of the problem. If you had told us months or years ago, we could have showed up to support you. You didn't have to be in the hospital. She's like, oh, you know, I just learned to live with it. I was like, no, no, please. But then I, I thought to myself, bitch, you are on the same path of like okay this hurts I gotta go do this next podcast or give this deliverable or do be there for this person so it's fascinating that we can cerebrally and mentally understand something but understanding something in your mind and accepting it in your body are two very different things and I think there's a thawing that's happening for a lot of us which is why I love that we're having these conversations because it would be so easy for me to come on here and talk to you as if I had all the answers and I was applying them. 
Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I have a lot of answers. Right, right. Yeah, I have a lot of answers. I'm not doing shit with them, but I have a lot. <laughs> and so I think it serves no one when advocates are not honest about their own struggle. Yeah. This is such a good conversation. Now, this show time is up, but I wanted you to stay for an extra 15 minutes for a segment we have on our Patreon called The Ride Home. The and- Ride Home. Oh, where are we going? Think about it. I t- in my mind, humanize is like you are eavesdropping on two good friends having a really great conversation during a dinner party. Like okay. that's why the show doesn't start with a, a real intro. Like people kind of waft into our conversation and like, oh, by the way, there you go, sitting over there. Hi, it's me and my friend Dr. Shanae. You know what I mean? Like the whole premise is that like we're just having great conversations as people who love each other and humanize each other. So I was like, when I wanted to do an after show, I was talking to my producer, like, what happens after you leave that dinner party? And then I was like, the ride home. That's where you're like, let's compare notes, bitch. <laughs> what did you see? Did you see them boots? <laughs> you see that? Look at you're out there fucking in the bathroom, girl. Like, it's almost like those same two hoity smart friends at the party turn to baps when they get in the car. <laughs> So for anybody who wants to join us uh, for the ride home, this is your sign to go to patreon.com backslash blue centric. Dr. Shania is going to be joining me for the ride home, but because some of y'all are going to probably be cheap and not join the first one. Well, this is actually the third one. (gasps) Oh my God. We've been doing this already for a while. Uh, Shania, tell them where they can find you if they're not going to join us on Patreon. Oh, uh, you can find me anywhere. Dr. Shanae Thomas, S-H-A-N-E-A-T-H-O-M-A-S. Um, I am on Instagram as Dark Chocolate Noir, like D-R-K-C-H-O-L-A-T-N-O-I-R. I don't know. I think that's right. And you can find me on Facebook. I'm also at University of Maryland School of Public Health. So if you Google me, I'll pop up. My face will be there. Um, I am also, I'll put a small plug in. We are starting the Sexual and Gender Diversity Learning Community, which is the education program that I am curating. It will start in May 2023. So if you have questions, please email me at sptomas at umd.edu. Thank you. Oh, that was a perfect outro. For those of you who are listening, you know, it's me. It's me. It's blue. <laughs> like, I promised people that I was going to put out weekly episodes at least until June and the numbers skyrocketed. I was like, oh, this is a thing. Well, that's yeah. Well, that's thing. yeah, that's good. Girl, the kids are watching. Um, <laughs> you guys know you can find me at Blue Centric, B-L-U-E-C-E-N-T-R-I-C. Shania is my proof, my OG who tells you that Blue Centric used to be a production company, guys. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm so excited about the work that we're doing as far as content now, because you're right, it does feel like an iteration of what we started in D.C. back in like 2008. God, I sound old when we say that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, for those of you who have not already done so, this is the 20-year anniversary of me being a professional writer and being in the emotional intelligence sector. This is so wild. Woo-hoo. 20 years. August 2003 was my first professional writing job at the Harvard School of Public Health. Yeah, so this is my 20th anniversary. So the emotional intelligence workshops that we do twice a year, the last one of this year is going to be happening on May 3rd. And if you want to register for that, it's OTS20 because it's 20% off for my 20th anniversary. OTS20.eventbrite.com and OTS stands for Own Thy Shift because you can't own your shift unless you own your shit. 
Um, you, <laughs> I love that. All right, guys. If you really want to see this kick, kick, I'm about to ask Shania some inappropriate, fun questions. If you want to see, uh, join the rest of the party and see us let our hair down, shake your hair, Shania. Shake it. <laughs> see, Dr. Shania's already taken off her glasses. It's about to be a party, y'all. Join us at patreon.com backslash blue centric. Bye. <laughs> Say bye, Shania. <laughs> Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.